Jess, it's happening. Whoa, Tina, what are you doing in my car? Space is here now. No closet will be left behind. Did you say closet? Yes, the Container Store custom closets are up to 25% off. It doesn't matter the size or shape. Space is coming to them all. You're not serious. Space isn't a joke, Jess. How long do we have? Through October 13th. All right, buckle up. The Container Store custom closet sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha. The Container Store, where space comes from. You're listening to the J.C. and Morgan podcast presented by BP Skinner Clothiers. Folks, if you want to make sure that you look your very best, don't settle for the department store down the street where you're getting something off the rack that is lesser quality and you're dealing with salespeople that sometimes, let's face it, can be a little bit pushy. Get a guy whose sole goal is to make sure you look your very best and he goes out of his way to do so. When I say out of his way, I mean he's coming to you no matter where you're listening to us on this podcast. Brent Skinner of BP Skinner Clothiers will come on out. You book an appointment on the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. He'll have a consultation with you. He'll bring the samples of some of the most luxurious fabrics from the finest mills in Europe for you to look through as they begin to design your custom garment. After that, it's a few weeks and you are done. It's mailed to you at your door, and you're ready to go. You, like me and so many others that Brent has worked with, will notice the difference in how you look and how you feel, and the price is right. Again, go to the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. Set up an appointment with Brent Skinner. He'll come to you no matter where you are in the country, and you will begin to look your very best. And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert. Coming to you from the mecca of college football here in Atlanta, Georgia, it is another installment of the J.C. and Morgan podcast with J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I'm Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. Here we go again, except now we got some games to talk about. Okay, they haven't played yet, but they're about to be played in a couple of days, of course, the headliner there is Miami, Florida. We'll get to that. We have uh, some polls out. The AP poll is out. We can chew on that a little bit. And some quarterback news, including one prominent uh, SEC school that I think surprised a few people with the choice that they made as their starter, at least in week one. JC, how are you? Doing well, Mike. Uh, looking forward to uh, this weekend, getting out. Uh, I'm taking my annual beach vacation that I do, I usually try to do it two or one week before the first big weekend. Um, so getting over to Myrtle Beach for a couple of days of R and R, uh, and then boom, the season will be upon us. And uh, actually, you know, we got a game this weekend, so I'm looking forward to catching that. But uh, you know, just really excited about college football. I get really jacked up this time of year. Um, you know, almost like I did when I was a kid at Christmas time. Uh, you know, it, it's you hear that cliche a lot i'm like a child at christmas well i actually am you know i can't sleep you know i'm constantly checking the internet and twitter and you know uh other outlets i'm reading everything i can i'm I'm looking at news i'm posting on message boards i'm doing podcasts uh it's a very exciting time of the year nobody's lost a game yet and it's really i heard uh i watched went back and watched steve spurrier's hall of fame uh, acceptance speech, and I didn't know this because I hadn't seen this before. Steve Spurrier quoted our friend Chris Childers uh, during it and said, "You know, Chris Childers from 
Uh, Sirius XM radio, and he, he flubbed that. He called it Arius, Arius XM <laughs> satellite, whatever. And he's like, he said, college football is the best thing ever invented. And uh, Spurrier said that was right. Childers started that. I know Chris, and I know you do too. And uh, so shout out to him for that. But he's absolutely correct. Uh, it's the best thing ever invented. So I'm fired up to uh, get things kicked off here pretty soon. I am as well. Uh, we we got a taste of what to look forward to. And I, I'll preface the the AP poll with this. If you're the guy that feels like you're really making a difference by saying, I hate the fact that there's polls out already. There shouldn't be any polls out until <laughs> at least October. This is an outrage. Look, slow your roll. The, the AP poll means virtually nothing. Okay, it, it's ignored in this era of the playoff for, for most of the year. We do, once we do get the actual CFP standings, that dominates the way, and uh, nobody looks at the AP poll, the coaches poll. I assume they still do it. I don't even know because I don't check it out. But we all like polls. Mm-hmm. Just because we disagree with them, uh, it, it's just something It gives us a reference point as to, okay, who are the teams to beat now? Doesn't mean they're going to be the teams to beat in November, December, January. Uh, we know that they're wrong often. I think last year... There were three teams that were preseason top 10 that finished outside the poll. And there's always at least one team that is not highly sought at, uh, thought of going in and then winds up in the top 10, a la Florida last year. Uh, Auburn won a national cha- a championship when they weren't uh, ranked. At least if they were ranked, they were not ranked highly, certainly not in the top 10. But nobody knew just how good Cam Newton was going to be, and they win a national title under Gene Chizik. So it's not worth getting all bent out of shape and acting as if this really is going to hurt the morale of the American public uh, and and take food off your family's plate if you have to know that there's a poll out there. If you're so against having a poll, here's my advice. Don't look at it. (laughs) Don't talk about it. Just ignore it. It's not hurting you. Don't hurt it. So I, I... I don't have this this animosity toward polls. Now, there was a time where polls, back when they were relevant, I would disagree with polls, and I would I would be worked up in the coach's poll, obvious coach's bias there, or just complete apathy, where you'd have the SID fill it out. And AP voters, same old story. They're very provincial. If you're a voter in the southeastern part of the country, you're not staying up late to watch Oregon Southern Cal, and therefore maybe you're not qualified to rank – uh, teams on the West Coast. I, I get it. I get it. But for right now, uh, let's let's lighten up a little bit. This is not hurting anybody. And quite frankly, as we've talked about a number of times, it's not that hard to put the poll together because college football, it's a little predictable right now. So, for example, hmm. if you go through the top five teams, it's the same teams we talk about every year. So I don't care who came up with this poll. It's it's not inaccurate. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State. And then if you want to be a real daredevil, you'll predict LSU to be in the playoff. Well, they're preseason six. So it's not exactly that big of a stretch. And then what do you have at the bottom third of the uh, top ten? Michigan, Florida, and Notre Dame. So, I, I mean, there's... And Texas, I should add, number 10. Texas, by the way, the only team 
in the top 10 that lost more than three games last year. Because you look at everybody else, they all lost zero games, one game, two games, a couple lost three, Texas was 10 and four. So those are your, your top 10. It's, it's the, the same suspects. And then you throw in LSU, Michigan, Florida, Notre Dame, and Texas. None of this is like worth getting worked up over Oregon, Texas, A&M, Washington, Utah, Penn state, Auburn, UCF, the lone group five team in there, Michigan state, Wisconsin, Iowa, and then uh, rounding out the top 25, Iowa state, pleasant story under coach Campbell, who no doubt will be courted severely at the end of this year, Syracuse, Washington state, Nebraska, and Stanford. Is there any of this JC that surprised, shocked, appalled, uh, made you irate? Anything at all about this poll that that struck a chord? No, I I think it's a hard time to do rankings. And, um, you know, usually, I mean, I'm not above taking a shot at people that do rankings or or polls or lists or anything like that. I I disagree with most of what I read out there. And that's fine because I'm overly opinionated. But um, I'm going to give these folks a break because, I mean, what do you do? I mean, when when you've got two teams – that are on another collision course, um, you know, the chances of Clemson not playing Bama in New Orleans for the national title um, are slim. To the point where I talked to a good Clemson source a couple of weeks ago, and their motivation this year is they don't want to just, they don't want to do it again. It's not let's repeat. It's like, let's go back to New Orleans where we lost in the semis a couple of years ago <laughs> and get revenge for that. I mean, that I mean, when, that's your, when that's your bulletin board material along with a manufactured no respect controversy <laughs> during media days, you know that you're kind of on easy street. And look, both teams had some personnel losses. Uh, uh, Alabama's been dealing with some injuries this year. But you just don't look at their schedules and say, well, the, this team's going to beat them. I mean, you know, it's just it's just not in the cards. I mean, they're both head and shoulders above. And then with Georgia, I, I think you just automatically rank them third because, heck, they've if it hadn't been for Alabama the last two years, things may have been different for the dogs. I don't know that they're third. I, I may have gone crazy and ranked Texas third just, just for – poops and giggles um and you got to go with oklahoma you got to go with ohio state those teams have dominated their conferences it seems like we're always debating whether or not one of the two o teams deserves to be in over the other and you get on down i mean you know notre dame actually i talked to some folks about the irish the other day and they actually feel like more talent wise you know they're going to be in better shape this year than last when they made the playoff but I, i think when you kind of dug into it, they they were they were blown off the field yet again on a big stage. So you just kind of throw them in at ninth, and you know you're hoping with Michigan and Florida, and you know LSU if they weren't in the SEC West, if they're in the East, we we may be talking about them or Georgia. Um, so it, it, it's hard, it, it's hard, and the rest of them, it's just like, eh, Michigan State's pretty good. Um, you know, some people think they're going to win their division in the Big Ten, but yeah, let's just throw them in there and, you know, shake them up in a box. Like, I would not be comfortable. Yo, if we go to 7-Eleven right now, we can be back in time for the game. I don't know, man. I don't want to miss kickoff. Okay, but Red Bulls are two for $5 right now when I use my 7-Eleven app. Dude, but kickoff. But how are we going to stay on top of our game while watching this game if we're not on that 7-Eleven game? Uh, I don't know how. Keep up, dude. Two for five Red Bull with my 7-Eleven app. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm feeling you now. Thank you. 
7-Eleven. Be game day ready. Plus tax where applicable. Valid at participating locations. Are you hungry for the usual today? Or are you ready to spice things up with the new Nashville hot brisket from Firehouse Subs? We're kicking up our slow-smoked beef brisket with Nashville hot seasoning. It's topped with melted pepper jack and our sweet and tangy slaw. Served piping hot on a toasted cornbread roll. Yeah, a cornbread roll. Save time. Order your new Nashville hot brisket on the Firehouse Subs app today. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only. Past like... And I would not have Florida or Michigan in my top ten or Notre Dame. I would probably move Texas. I would not be comfortable ranking the top six plus Texas, uh, eighth through 45th, because I think it's that close. I, I think really mm-hmm. there's you know, people talk about there needs to be parity in college football. Where there there is, it just doesn't. It's just not when you get to the playoff. <laughs> you know, yeah. the team the teams going and the teams winning when you get to the playoff. It's tier so, tier two parity. Yeah, the rest of it is still like I mean, the rest of it's more wide open than it ever has been. I mean, and like a program can get, you know, they can get from fortieth to seventh easier than they used to be able to. But um you just can't bust through that top two or three right now um with any sort of ease. But who knows? That's why you play the games and you know, if things did change this season, say Bama and Clemson did inexplicably drop a couple of games and some other teams got in, that that'd probably be healthy for the sport. But you know, it, it's just it's just you just look at it and it's just not likely. So I don't blame the people for the polls. I, and I'm with you. You know, if you don't like the polls, if you're like outraged over it, we live in an outrage culture anyway. Just shut up. Just just quiet. I mean, I enjoy reading the polls, even if I'm picking it apart. If if, if even if I don't agree with it, it, it gives us something to consume and something to read. And sort of gives a preliminary benchmark heading into the season. So, I mean, if you want to be outraged that Florida's eighth or seventh and Michigan's in the top ten and Notre Dame continues to be ranked highly, be my guest because that's what it's all about. Be outraged over the rankings. like, But don't be outraged that there are rankings. That, that That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, and they change every week. Like It's it's like the <laughs> stock market. It, it adjusts. It, a market correction will be made. So if one of those teams in the top 10, if you're convinced they're a fraud, well, guess what? They're going to lose games and then they're going to keep dropping in the polls. Mm-hmm. It's science. Like it's, it's just not that complicated. <laughs> it's, it's, it's complete science where that will happen. Um, so I, I've always, it's such a um, trite to me, silly argument that I see talking heads like they really think they've got this dynamite point when they say, oh, I just I just think it's so stupid to have a poll out now. You don't know what anybody is until October. Yeah, of course not. But whether or not AP puts one out or or the coaches put one out, my Phil Steele magazine is going to put out a poll. Lindy's going to put out a poll. Mm-hmm. J.C. Sherber can put out a poll. People still like to see rankings. So it, it don't get so worked up over it. it. It's not it doesn't affect your team one way or another. At the end of the day, what happens on the field in those 12 weeks is going to be is going to determine your final ranking no matter what it is now. So I've never found the point of getting all bent out of shape. And here's something for you if, if you think college football has become too predictable, I, I have one thing that might make you feel a smidge better. This is um from Brett McMurphy. He says, bad news for number one Clemson, question mark. In the past 15 years, only two preseason AP number one ranked teams went on to win the national title, Alabama 
in 2017. And Southern Cal, remember when Southern Cal was relevant? They won a national title in 2004 back in the good old Pete Carroll days. So the 13 out of the last 15 years, the preseason number one has not gone on to win it. Now that could be misleading too, because guess what? If I were to poll a thousand college football fans and say, okay, if Clemson, the preseason number one, doesn't win it this year, who do you think will win it? 90% of the people will say number two, Alabama, Mm -hmm. which will probably be right. So it, it is still kind of, it is, I think the most predictable it's been since I've been covering the sport, since I walked the earth, I, I you know, maybe back in the twenties, you could say, well, uh, army was more predictable as it, it was army and Notre Dame. And it was, I, I don't know. I can't speak to that. We'll have to invoke the late Bino cook to give you more background on that. But in the last 40 something years, I don't remember college football at the top being this predictable uh, for this amount of time. And we, we truly do. We have a, we have multiple tiers in the sport, and in that first tier, there are two programs that are riding hot. It's not predestined that they're going to stay that way, but until something major happens, uh, get used to the same dialogue and narrative throughout the season. So yeah. there you have it. Yeah, and look, back in the 80s, you know, you'd have – you know, t- times where you'd be like, okay, Miami and Nebraska are the top two teams, or Miami, Miami and the Nebraska Oklahoma winner out of the Big Eight. That's the top two teams. But then, you know, those teams would go because you had independents and, and teams in the Big So Oklahoma and Nebraska won, would knock each other off. And then Colorado was good for a while, and they would pull the occasional win over one of those other two teams. And then Miami would go schedule. Notre Dame, because they would routinely beat Florida State. Or they could have the wide left, the wide right, all that. Mm-hmm. Now, they owned Florida State in the, in the 80s. Uh, but they'd schedule like a Notre Dame or somebody during the regular season, and they'd lose. And, and so and you couldn't have more than one loss. There was no playoff. So you did get some variety at times. Um, and I'll say this. You mentioned Alabama in 2017. That team did not even win its division. Right, it, it lost to Auburn the last uh, in the Iron Bowl. Auburn won the division, then lost to Georgia. Then it was a Georgia-Bama game for the title in Atlanta. Still the best game I've ever been to. Let, uh, let's not forget all life. the talking heads, uh, particularly those that cover the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. You know who you are. Who went on diatribes that Alabama didn't even deserve to be in the playoff. Clearly, they were not one of the top four teams, and they go in there and win the national title. Yeah, and I think that's the second time the number four seed has won it. Ohio State won it the first year, obviously, as the number four seed, and then Bama goes and wins it in 2017. So we've had, what, five and twice the number four seed? So the seedings to me are meaningless, by the way. I think it's, I think the seedings are. Are kind of meaningless to be honest because they are, um, yeah, you know, because you don't have home field advantage. It's not like you know pro sports where if you're the higher seed, you get to play at home, yeah, or you get more home games. You're playing on a neutral site regardless. And look, I think the 2017 Clemson team, as dominant as they were at the end of the year, running through the ACC, that that team, Kelly Bryant at quarterback, they lost some pieces from a year before. I I don't I think that was Dabo Sweeney's worst team in the last five years, and they were the number one seed. So you know the seeding, you know whatever. But um, you know that's just kind of how it happens, and uh, you know we'll hope for some variety uh, moving forward. Um, 
So, uh, you know, that's it. I have an off, I, I don't have an off topic question. I have a in the future question for you, a fun little game we could play later. Mike reminded me to, to ask oh. your opinion on this. I like that. A little, a little sneak preview, a little it's, tease, it's, it's, it's as a we little, like to call it. it. It's, it's not off topic because, but it's a topic we're going to cover next week. But at the same time, I want to ask this question now okay. before we get in the meat and potatoes next week. Cause I, I think it's fascinating, um, to go on the record with some predictions about this. I am intrigued and captivated all at the same time uh, with this with this question coming down the line. Um, only other thing that that stood out to me, JC, on the poll, the Pac-12 again is going to have kind of a referendum on its conference in the first week when Oregon plays Auburn, and if if that doesn't go well. Eh, it's going to be another long year for the Pac-12. But you do have Oregon 11, Washington 13, Utah 14. So, I mean, there is some Pac-12 representation in that middle. They just can't get to that upper echelon. And honestly, I don't think it's going to happen again this year either. Well, uh, you know, look, they need SC to be back. And I'll say this about the Trojans. While I do think Graham Harrell will light up the scoreboard and JT Daniels is going to have a better year this year. You know, that, that program needs to get tougher. needs to get better. Nothing against Clay Helton. Um, if they do go through March, th- they could even get to the playoff mic with one loss because listen to this and people are already talking upset here. They play, they play Fresno state and Stanford the first two weeks of the season. Fresno state's a good team. They go at BYU in week three, they play Utah, the, the Pac-12 favorite in week four. They go to Washington in week five. They have a bye week. Then they go at Notre Dame, then Arizona at Colorado, Oregon at Arizona State at Cal, then UCLA. Even if they lose, say, to Notre Dame, or let's say they drop an early one to BYU, or they lose to Washington and then have a rematch and beat them, I think they have a strength of schedule unlike a lot of Pac-12 teams. Um to uh, make the playoff. That being said, I don't think they will, and I think we'll see a coaching change in Los Angeles this offseason. <laughs> I was, say, I was I mean, wondering how far you were going to go with that. I, I, well, they, they have the talent, and I think JT Daniels was in a tough spot uh, as a freshman quarterback that had just gotten out of high school last year. Uh, I think they had culture problems, obviously, they needed to fix. I think they had offensive play-calling issues they needed to fix. Um, and they may have fixed them, but probably not. I'm just saying – their schedule is challenging enough to where if they have one of those turnaround years, they can make it. Uh, you mentioned Oregon. Um, the Ducks have been building, and the Ducks have been recruiting well under Mario Cristobal. They've dominated Los Angeles. You know, you talk about the history of the Pac-12 and what Pac-12 programs are, are good. They're the programs that dominate Los Angeles in recruiting. And, and I'm not just talking – they went down there and, and beat SC on a couple of guys and UCLA on a couple of guys, like signing eight of the top ten type of deal. They've also got a massive offensive line. They've also got one of the best quarterbacks in college football returning. It's skill talent, and they get, they're pretty solid on defense for a Pac-12 team. I do not think they have the horses to run with Auburn. And when you look at their schedule, we could be talking about the Ducks being out of the playoff hunt and still in position to win the Pac-12 uh, by wait by week four because it goes Auburn, then Nevada, then Montana, and then at Stanford. 
So you could, you could be looking at Oregon at two and two and not even in the playoff picture, but still in the Pac-12 mix by the end of September. And I think that would be disastrous for that conference. It, it, it would be. And, and it's unfair, just like last year when, when Washington lost, where you, you, you already have everybody bailing on the Pac-12 after one game in week one. But it kind of bared out that way. <laughs> so you can't say it was wrong. You might say it's unfair, but you can't say it was wrong. And I think it's going to be more of the same this year with that game in week one. I think Utah could be I – I wouldn't be shocked if Utah won that league. I think Utah could be a great story under Kyle Whittingham. But, again, I don't see them in the playoff. I, I just think the Pac-12 it, – it's, it's weird. You'd rather have – I think as a conference – from a national perception, and you might even say financial standpoint, you'd rather have one dominating team that has a legitimate shot at the playoff than have like what I just mentioned, which is a cluster of teams in that middle of the top 25 where you're like, hey, look, us, we're the Pac-12. We, we got three teams in the top 15. Don't forget about us. Mm. Yeah, but you have nobody who's a true playoff contender because Southern Cal has been mired in mediocrity and for whatever reason – has not been able to to get out of it. And so uh, you've got three programs that barely move the needle and three programs that can't can't get enough of a resume together to get in there. So they would just rather they just assume take all the the good out of those three programs, put it in a Southern Cal, make them a national power again and actually be in the playoff at least one out of every couple of years, but uh you don't get that choice to make and I think it's going to be more of the same narrative and conversation about the Pac-12 this year when we get down to brass tacks and they're going to be on the outside looking in and Southern Cal is going to be coming off a I don't know best case scenario nine and three eight and four type season um and then Washington's always a good story but but they're just not that level and Oregon could be another good story and they're just not that level so uh, I I see more of the same coming out of the Pac-12 and I think that storyline comes uh, very early again this year so you've got the same two suspects at the top you've got the same issue with the pac-12 you've got the same suspects in the big 10 the big 12 and then you have the sec that continually has the luxury of knowing they're probably going to have uh, almost certainly going to have a team in the playoff and there's always a good chance they could sneak another one in there and it's still the deepest conference in college football that might sound like homerism uh whatever you want to call it 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 doesn't matter to me but that's just the facts Uh (laughs) it's just where we are in in college football right now the big 10 is is the only conference that can even push the sec in terms of you know a cluster of really good teams at the top if all the above ohio state michigan penn state wisconsin if they all do what they're what they're capable of doing yeah and i could see lsu getting a, a second let, let's say lsu has a really good year loses a close game to bama and they're sitting there at 11 and one and you know you've got a flawed conference champion similar to ohio state the last two years where you have the one loss but it's a blowout to a mediocre team you know or something like that you know lsu will get that spot guaranteed Cor- Yep. Correct. Correct. Uh, moving on to some news and notes. You know, last week, the uh, the big uh, hammer that dropped was Miami announcing its starting quarterback, which, of course, was not Tate Martell, who's now taking reps at wideout hmm. uh, this uh, this week. As we sign on today, roughly 24 hours ago, we find out Auburn will start true freshman Bo Nix at quarterback, the son of the former uh, Auburn quarterback 
Patnix, who played for the Tigers back in the early to mid-90s, was actually a really solid quarterback back in the, the Terry Bowden days uh, when they were winning a bunch of games. But unfortunately for Auburn, the first couple of years of that, they were on probation, so they weren't eligible uh, to do anything. But if you remember, uh, Terry Bowden's Auburn teams, his first two years went 21 and one, mm-hmm. <laughs> 21 and one right out of the gate. And then, uh, boy, did that go downhill uh, shortly thereafter. And Terry never really got back to, to big time college coaching. He was a fixture in the Mac. Is he still in the Mac? Is he still got fired at the end of last year? That's even, right. He even, did. even though they beat Northwestern in Evanston um, at the beginning of the year, the Zips, Pulled an upset over a Big Ten division champ. I think it was Akron's first win over a Big Ten team since the 19, early 1900s. Um, things went south at the end, and the, the athletic director up there, I think, was relatively new. And, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know much about him, so I don't want to sit here and say he's one of these hotshot idiots that doesn't know a good thing. But they wanted some change, and so I guess – attendance at the rubber bowl was down or wherever the hell they play. So it was, <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't like that move to be honest with you. Cause I think Terry Bowden has had breathed some life into zips football that wasn't previously there. And when a guy goes and beats a big 10 division champ in a season, they had a rash of injuries too. You shouldn't fire him. And uh, I've already spent too much time on the Akron coaching change that happened nine <laughs> months ago, but uh, it kind of ticked me off, but nah, he's uh, not there anymore. But yeah, Ter- Terry Bowden, they had a uh, a good run in 97 when Damian Craig was quarterback. They almost beat a really good Tennessee team in the championship game. It was 30-29, to 29, but that was really, I think, the last thing he did. And then he got fired in 98 under a cloud of controversy. Then they brought in um, Republican senator candidate Tommy Tuberville <laughs> to uh, to coach the team after that. So that's uh, that was right about that. But Patrick Nix, I remember that game in the Swamp. Uh, Knicks to Fred Sanders. Yes, back uh, of the end zone. 30, 30 seconds left. to can catch. The Gators never lost at home. That was 94, Steve Spurrier. That, that really, those mid-90s years, Florida was unbelievably good. And never lost at the Swamp. Florida, I mean, and Auburn went in there and got them that day, came from behind to, to beat the mighty Gators, and thanks to a Patrick Knicks touchdown pass. Yeah, Auburn got him uh, back-to-back years, beat him in 93 at home mm-hmm. as well, when yeah. uh, Stan White, I believe, was the quarterback before uh, before Knicks was. And you had uh, the likes of Stephen Davis and guys like that toting the rock for uh, for Auburn. All right, so that's enough poll talk for, for the time being. But any of the uh, – I, I guess I, if you want me to mention it, I will, even though everybody knew this was coming. But it was officially announced uh, that Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback for uh ohio state and i guess what officially did they officially announce jalen hurts i mean but yeah. we, the things that we knew what we knew were going to happen months ago happened but it, it just came down but but nothing surprised i think the only real surprise and i wouldn't call it a shocking thing he was battling another freshman but the the fact that bo nicks got the job at auburn uh and again auburn as a team might have the best defensive line in the country uh offensive line certainly should be improved from what it was a year ago when it was not good. Gus Malzahn is calling plays. Auburn is a team that's going to be very intriguing, as they often are. They're so mer- mercurial, but 
that that is a kid that's going to be front and center on a team that things could go really well in a hurry or things could go really bad in a hurry. And if they go really bad, it's going to be all types of discussion about Gus Melzon and, and the same noise that we have virtually every other year at Auburn. And Bo Nix, look, he, he's a good quarterback, about 6'2". He has a good arm, quick release. He's mobile in the pocket. He can run a little bit. I, You know, and I don't know, I thought Gatewood would win it. And maybe, you know, Gus Malzahn loves to kind of sub his quarterbacks in and out in special packages. Maybe Gatewood's going to come in there and give them the, the big – because Gatewood's about, I think, 6'4", 230, 240. Um, the big power runner or whatever, if they want to do that. They have to be able to run the ball from the quarterback position and the running back position in that offense to make it go. Uh, I think when Gus Malzahn gets in trouble, uh, with the exception of that little little stint that Jarrett Stidham had at the end of 2017, and then you saw it sort of went away really quick once they had some injuries at running back, um, he just needs a guy that can run. I mean, you look at his best offenses. I mean, it's when – you know, you have best offenses this decade. At Arkansas, he could get by with a Mitch Mustaine, especially when you had Darren McFadden and those guys in the backfield. But he's at his best when he has a quarterback that can run it. Cam Newton, Nick Marshall, you know, those were the best years. So I think that um, But when you look at Bo Nix, in about a year, if this were next year, I'd say he could be one of the best in the SEC. Uh, this year, I just – you know, the, his supporting cast has to help him out because he's the type of player that, that Mike, when we get to 2020, 2021, he, he could put that offense on his, on his back and lead him up and down the field no problem. I think that's asking a lot given the schedule Auburn plays and all of that for a guy this year. So his supporting cast has to step up and help him. And who knows, by the end of the year, he may be able to do it. Because um, he's really advanced and come a long way, and he's he's going to be a special player. But um, Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa at the end, you know, those guys didn't even start to begin with. They didn't start right out of the gate. You know, they kind of had to be eased in. So, you know, when you got such a critical opener like against Oregon, you know, and, and you're you're of the, the opposing quarterback's one of the very best in the country. Um, you know, I, th- I think that could that could be problematic. But, you know, there's a reason the guy won the job, and uh, Gus knows quarterback, so we'll see kind of how it goes. I'll say this as a quick aside on that Auburn-Oregon Oregon game as well. Uh, if, even if you have no interest in either one of those teams, I think there's interest to see what Justin Herbert is all about and what he does against uh, probably the best defense he's going to see all year. I, I can't think of anyone in the in the Pac-12 that's going to match up with what Auburn offers. So yeah. uh, you're, you're, there's a battle going on. I mean, the Mel Kuypers of the world, some believe two is going to be the first quarterback taken. Some believe it's going to be Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is more of your typical looking type NFL quarterback. But I, I think that this, the scouts are drooling over this game to just kind of get to get a read on a kid who some people thought, if he did go out early, he could be the number one quarterback taken, maybe even the number one overall pick. But but there's still a little bit of an incomplete resume there. This is a great test for him. Uh, I want to see what he does uh, in, uh, against a top a top flight defense. And then for Auburn, you know, as I sit here and I watch Jarrett Stidham tearing up preseason football, and he, he's clearly going to make an NFL team. And I think Jarrett Stidham will be in the league for ten years, even if it's just as a backup. 
uh, you realize just how much that offense doesn't play well to a guy like Jared Stidham and, and plays differently for the type of quarterback that Gus Malzahn wants. So uh, uh, this is it. Knicks can run now. Uh, I'm going to use the most over-cliched word that we have today uh, regarding college uh, running quarterbacks that can both throw and run. He's dynamic. <laughs> dynamic. Um, yes, he can do both. Dynamic doesn't always mean good. Dynamic very often could be mediocre. But so don't don't misconstrue dynamic as the end all be all of, of what a quarterback needs to be to be successful. But we'll see. That'll be an intriguing game. But again, the game that comes up ahead of time in week zero, there's really only two games uh, at the FBS level. You got Arizona, Hawaii. Something extraordinary has happened to Judy Sizemore's closet, making it feel more like a closet. closet. An area that once caused claustrophobia now has enough space, space. space. to hold all of Judy's striped boat neck sweaters. And Judy Sizemore has a lot of striped right, right. boat neck sweaters. sweaters. The Container Store Custom Closet Sale is here with up to 25% off all systems, including Alpha, through October 13th. The Container Store, where space comes from. Are you hungry for the usual today? Or are you ready to spice things up with the new Nashville Hot Brisket from Firehouse Subs? We're kicking up our slow-smoked beef brisket with Nashville Hot Seasoning. It's topped with melted pepper jack and our sweet and tangy slaw. Served piping hot on a toasted cornbread roll. Yeah, a cornbread roll. Save time. Order your new Nashville Hot Brisket on the Firehouse Subs app today. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only. Uh, and then that, to me, the whole... The whole story is is what what did Kevin Sumlin learn, if anything, about how to use a quarterback in Khalil Tate, who seemingly was unstoppable the year before he got there, and then for whatever reason could not get much of anything going last year. So my guess is he's going to alter his uh, his system a bit for Khalil Tate's strengths, and then Hawaii is you know. They're Hawaii. They're a nice story. Beautiful place to live. I always think of June Jones when I think of Hawaii and what he was able to do there in, in his time. Uh, but the headliner, of course, is Florida, Miami, in Orlando, Florida, now up to a, a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, the Gators coming in off a 10 win season. Miami coming in with a new era, new offensive coordinator, new head coach, new quarterback. Your thoughts on the Gators and the Canes? One one. um you know, and look, I like Jaron Williams, and I don't really care what people are thinking uh, in terms of, oh, well, if, if they're not starting Tate Martell, that means that they're starting someone less uh, talented. They're, they're starting someone more talented. This is going to help them win um, games this year. Uh, I like both of these teams' frontline talent. I, I, there's de- there are depth issues. Um, Florida's defense has depth issues. Florida's offensive line has depth issues. Florida is deep at receiver and running back, and I think they're pretty pretty good at quarterback if something happens to Franks because you got Kyle Trask and Emory Jones in the bullpen. But defensively, you know they've lost a lot of players this offseason. A lot of recruits didn't make it into school, uh, and those were guys they were counting on being in the two deep defensively. So so Florida they had another injury today, and so they're not that deep. Miami's not that deep uh, on offense or defense, but they too have talent on their front line. So the matchup I'm really looking at, Mike, Florida's defensive line 
versus Miami's offensive line, which Miami is going to trot out a true freshman, Zion Nelson. He's from Sumter, South Carolina. Uh, a late addition to the recruiting class. He was 245 pounds at the end of his high school career. He's gained 40 pounds of muscle at six foot six, and he's going to start as a true freshman at left tackle Saturday night. Mm. Uh, and you've got guys on that Florida defensive line that are pretty pretty good, you know, including um, you know. The guy that plays defensive end, what, what's his name? Ah, I'm forgetting it right now. But um, it's not Ja'Kai Polite. He uh, graduated last year. But you look at Florida's def- – their front defensive line is uh, is sort of – is outstanding. I mean, you know, and, and so you're, you're rolling out a true freshman and a redshirt freshman at quarterback. Um you know, you're kind of looking at that. Jabari Zuniga. Zuniga's. Z- I can never. Yeah. Is it Zuniga or Zuniga? Zuniga. It may be Zuniga. I can't I, remember. I there was an actress like that back in the 80s and 90s. I think she was on Melrose Place. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say I know that. And I never knew if it was Zu. Anyway, point well taken. That That's the guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so, so you've got that guy. You got Kyrie Campbell and, and on the inside. That, that I think is a really good player. Adam Schuler is really solid. Um, they got John Greenard coming in as a grad transfer from Louisville, who, though the Louisville defense as a whole stunk, uh, he was a bright spot. And then Jeremiah Moons with him at the, at the kind of the, the buck position. David Reese at linebacker. Um, you know, I, I like David Reese. I think he's one of the better, uh, more underrated middle linebackers in the SEC. Uh, and then you got C.J. Henderson, Trey Dean, Marco Wilson, Jawan Taylor, all in that secondary. So if Miami starts having problems, then Danny Nos is going to be he's going to be running a more modern offense than Mark Rick did down there. But if, if Jaron Williams gets in trouble because they have protection issues, and then you're throwing it in the teeth of what should be a really good secondary, you know that could be problematic for Miami's offense. You know that being said. I think when I look at both of these teams, they both have warts. Um, you know, their front-line talent matches up pretty well, talent to talent. Um, you know, beyond that uh, Zuniga versus the freshman matchup, which I'm sure Todd Grantham will try to exploit with some exotic pressures and things like that. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at a defensive game. Uh, I think, you know, 17-17 going into the fourth quarter, close closer than the seven-and-a-half. Um with, you know, if I had to predict it, I'd say the Gators will pull it out in the end. Uh, it'll be somewhat sloppy, uh, kind of like some of those Florida State-Miami games were on Labor Day night that we had there for a while. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that whoever truly does have the better depth, and again, neither one of these teams is really deep, um, is going to pay off at the end. It's it's going to be a hot night in Orlando. Um you're going to have some of these big guys go out. So, so my, my concern if I'm Florida is going to be I lost another reserve D tackle this week. They don't really have a lot of numbers there. When big guys on defense might get gassed, you know, they're, they're just about – they're done. You know, they, they don't really come back. I mean, when you can gas a defensive line, you know, they're not going to be dominant in the fourth quarter. So – you know, th- those are the things I'm looking for. But I-, I think at the end of the day, the Gators are going to find a way to pull it out. Um, you know, in depth, depth will be an issue. And then, again, I'm looking at Florida's D-line versus Miami's offensive line, which will start a true freshman at left tackle. 
Daphne Zuniga, by the way, was on uh, Melrose Place, uh, and also a very underrated movie, Spaceballs. May the Schwartz be with you. Oh, God, I, yeah. I did not think that would somehow relate to the Florida-Miami game, but we cover all the bases here on this podcast. Um, you mentioned one matchup. I, I'm going to flip the lines for the other one I'm looking for, and that's Florida's new offensive line. they got four new starters against a pretty good front for Miami. Uh, if, if, Miami if Florida has trouble running the football, that to me is the best chance for Miami to win this game. Force Felipe Franks to have to beat you with his arm. I'm, I'm still uh, a little bit leery on Felipe Franks as a true passer. And if you can take away that aspect of, of Florida's running game uh, with again, four new starters, then that to me is Miami's uh, best chance to, to pull off the upset. And it wouldn't be a wild upset, but um, it, it'd be big enough to certainly let everybody know that Miami is on the way back. And uh, right away, people would be saying up oh, Florida's a fraud and uh, told you they're not te- top 10 worthy. So at least it's a game we can sink our teeth into in, in week zero. I, I love the fact to have that game early. And actually I think that the coaches love it because they both get an extra bye week uh, with it being played a week early. I mean, how much, how many more practices do you need in August to where you're ready to go? They got to start earlier uh, they'll be prepared. They'll be ready to go. And it's an advantage. I think scheduling wise, the rest of the way, I wonder if other teams will try to line up week zero matchups in the near future from a fan standpoint. I hope so. Cause I just love having a, uh, an intriguing game right off the bat. All right. You, 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 speaking of intriguing, you kind of tease something you wanted to ask earlier. Yes. What exactly was that? I, I am going to the, I'm going to jump ahead to week one. Okay. Right, and and so because this is something that we're probably we, we won't have time to discuss next week because we're we're getting into week week one and um, you know quite frankly week one this year is not as it's not great it's not as great as it was you know because you, you you have whoever decided Alabama Duke was a good neutral site game you know, obviously decided that um you know moving Florida Miami back a week I think takes another big one off the table and then. You know, there, there, there's some intrigue. Clemson opens with Georgia Tech. Now, in, in some years, that would be a great game on Thursday night to open the season with the ACC network launching. But Georgia Tech's got Southern Conference talent on offense right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because of Paul, I don't care who I recruit. I'm just going to run the option, Johnson. <laughs> and, um, you know, look, it, it worked some. It didn't. But uh, so they got their hands full. And, and so I don't know, you know. But all right, so – Getting into week one in the SEC, though, there are three matchups, and, and I don't know why schools do this, that are in the Southeastern Conference. Some some would never be caught dead doing it unless it's a situation like Alabama scheduled a two-for-one with USFs because they want to go play at Raymond James Stadium, and they're going to have half, half that stadium is going to be decked out in crimson anyway. It's like a bowl game for their fans. But I don't know why you schedule road games against a group of five teams. I just – it just kind of, eh, you know, gets me. And one of these matchups I can forgive because it's kind of a backyard rivalry. All right, so which of these three matchups, road games at group of five teams, first week SEC, uh, which of these SEC teams is the most likely to lose? Rank them in order most likely to least likely. Because I think one of them are going to – one's going to lose. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State at Louisiana Lafayette, Missouri at Wyoming, or Ole Miss at Memphis. 
Ole Miss at Memphis. <laughs> I think that's uh, pretty much the obvious choice for number one. Yeah. I, um, and look, Mississippi State, <laughs> I hate to say it's a big year for Joe Moorhead in year two, but it is. Year one did not go at all as planned. And Joe is a really funny guy and likable guy. And um, I, I think there's a lot of people pulling for him. But it's yet to be determined whether or not that's going to be a great fit in Starkville. Nick Fitzgerald just never improved as a passer. Uh, to me, that's more on him than anything else. But um, uh, they better not fool around against the Raging Cajuns. Uh, that that is for sure. But yeah, Memphis, look, I had Memphis, Missouri last year. Now they did lose their their all world running back that ran for I don't know two thousand yards or whatever. Plus he got hurt. Yeah, playing uh, for the Cowboys now. Yeah, he's in the NFL with the Cowboys. Um, uh, but Memphis, under Coach Norvell, that, that's a legit program now. I mean, Memphis is not a team I'd want to play. They've pulled off upsets. Before, they've upset SEC programs before. So, yeah, I would say Memphis in, in that cat. That would not surprise me at all uh, if Memphis pulled that off. Look, I don't think people realize how good Jordan Tiamu was at Ole Miss that was a I know he's not going to be an NFL quarterback at least I don't think so unless I'm missing uh, the, he's on a in a camp somewhere and might make it as a third stringer um but uh, Tama was a great college quarterback and of course he had NFL wide receivers to throw to but they're all gone and the defense has been woeful that can't expect to be you can't you can't expect that to be fixed in one year just because they have two new coordinators and I like the coordinators that they hired but I mean, Ole Miss is still a team with a lot of question marks this year, so that that'd be my pick. I like that question, by the way. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go with that too. I mean, it, it's essentially gonna be kind of a neutral site game in the Liberty. Memphis is like an hour from the Ole Miss campus. They'll show mm-hmm. up. But look, I, I saw. And you know, speaking of stupid rankings, I saw a ranking this year of quarterbacks in the SEC that had Matt Corral ranked ahead of Jake Bentley. Now say what, say what you want about Jake Bentley, but I what mean, what was that? It was uh, the moron poll. I mean, and, and <laughs> you know, period. You're a moron. If I mean, you're a moron if you have Matt Corral ranked ahead of the two grad transfers Arkansas has, because you know Chad Morris went and got the all-time leading passer in SMU history, and the guy that almost beat out Kellen Mond at Texas A&M, and they're battling it out. I, Matt Corral got into one or two games last year, and, and people because he was vastly overrated in recruiting from California, committed to Florida, decommitted from Florida after the McIlwain situation. And then nobody wanted him except Ole Miss. Now, does that make him a bad quarterback? No, I think the kid does some good things. I think he's got a chance in the future to be good. In no way was he ready to go in for Jordan Tamo last year. Um, and in no way is he going to be some savior of that program, especially running Rich Rodriguez's offense, which requires – a guy that's really a great runner. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't know that Ole Miss is going to be awful this year, and I don't know that they can't go beat Memphis. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a game that could go either way, but most likely upset is that. I think Mike Norvell uh, is a future Power 5 head coach. It just depends on what opportunity comes open. Let's say Herm Edwards doesn't want to coach at Arizona State anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a logical jump for Norvell to go to Arizona state. I don't know how Mike Norvell's not getting more offers as it is. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know either. I mean, you know, what am I missing? Does he not interview? Well, I mean, I've heard, I've I've heard that, 
from some yeah. folks. But, I mean, you know, I think he would have gotten Ole Miss had they not decided to stick with Matt Luke. Yeah, if Matt Luke had not mm-hmm. beaten Mississippi State at the end of that year and pulled the upset in the Egg Bowl, I, right. think, I think Norvell would have gone down the road to Ole Miss. Uh, and he was up for Arkansas as well, but mm-hmm. he's going to be there. And, you know, we have a shortage of guys that you can kind of put your finger on now in, in the group of five and go, yeah, that guy's a future star. When you have right. coaches like P.J. Fleck and Matt Campbell taking Iowa State and Minnesota, um, you know, that, that kind of eroded – some of the coaching talent, and so you're kind of looking for the next guy. Well, so here's the next guy to keep an eye on, Billy Napier, mm-hmm. um, the head coach at Louisiana Lafayette. He coached under Nick Saban. He coached under Dabo Sweeney. Um, I think there's two coaches that have done that, he and Chris Rumpf, who's now at Tennessee, maybe more. Uh, but coached under Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, coached under Tommy Bowden, um, He's the son of a high school coach. He played college football at Furman under Bobby Johnson, won a national championship as a quarterback. Uh, he's the head coach at Louisiana Lafayette. And they had a little controversy this week where, you know, they were asking their players to contribute to the athletic fund or whatever, and it got blown out of proportion like everything. We won't even talk about that. But they had a surprisingly good year last year. And I think that, you know, Louisiana Lafayette gets – they get some fans in the stands. You got Mississippi State, a big SEC program, rolling in there. Um, Mississippi State lost some guys off the defense. They've still got good skill. I think Tommy Stevens, the grad transfer from Penn State, is going to be good with for them. I think their quarterback situation actually might be better. But man, you know that that's just that's just one of those things. I saw Derek Dooley upset Sylvester Crooms, Mississippi State Bulldogs, one year. Down in Ruston, Louisiana. So I don't know why you schedule this, but they did. Yeah, risk versus reward. I, I don't know why either. Um, you know, sometimes you do. Of course, in basketball, you see this all the time, like a two for one. Mm-hmm. And and that's what UCF is. UCF's trying to get a one for one. And, of course, the other program in the state of Florida are going, ha, 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 no, seriously. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you're UCF. We're not giving you a one for one. And, therefore, that that's hit a, a standstill. But – uh, sometimes with these other uh, group five schools, you can swing a, a two for one type deal, even a three for one type deal. And that's, that's your, you know, that's your payback for the motive, for the incentive to go ahead and tell that school to come to your backyard a couple of times. But I'm with you. I, I look at some of these, why would you schedule a game at Wyoming? I mean, why in the world would you schedule a game in Laramie? Nothing to gain. And it's a weird place to play. I realize, uh, was it Marcel West? Was that the old wide receiver there? He's not walking through that door, but, uh, but it's just, I don't know. I I look at some of the scheduling and I just say, what are you doing? What, what you're, you're a power five school. I don't, I don't get it at all. Um, and I'm going to say this going to Wyoming as a, any, in any sport, because of the elevation can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It can be a challenge. Um, Craig Bowl is the head coach at Wyoming. He hadn't really done all that well, but they kind of found something at the end of last year. Uh, he was the head coach at North Dakota State um, and won three consecutive FCS national titles the last three years he was there. So the guy can coach a little football. His teams play physical his team, they play, as to quote Lou Holtz, they're a very physical football team. Um, 
and you get out there and you start getting your, you know, punched in the face by this undersized group and having to chase them all around with the air being thin and you're sucking oxygen. You know that that could that that environment could lead to an upset. Now, for me, it's the third most likely because I think Missouri is going to have too much for them. But at the same time, you know that that could be tricky. And you want to talk about something that could derail the uh, the Missouri hype train really quick? You know, go out there and lose to Wyoming in the opener. Ooh. Ooh, scary. But um yeah, I, I don't know I don't know why you schedule that either. I, my guess is maybe that's part of a two for one where Wyoming will come back to Como a, a couple of times. Uh Arkansas went to Colorado State last year, so maybe mm. maybe among our friends in the Ozarks there's a, a desire to go west into the uh I don't know that Laramie's in the Rockies, but the Rocky Mountain region or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know how you'd fly there, but um, I've never been to Wyoming. It's one of the, like five states I've never been to is yeah, Wyoming. So, uh, so we'll see what happens. But I, I thought that was an interesting little piece of SEC scheduling. You just don't really normally see, you know, three SEC teams going on the road to group of five teams in one week. You know, particularly the opener when, you know, the last few years, the openers around the SEC have been pretty doggone good. So I just mm-hmm. thought that was interesting and intriguing. Yeah. By the way, uh, Colorado State is returning the favor this year. Mm-hmm. September the 14th at Arkansas. Mark it down on your calendar. Uh, boy, Arkansas's out-of-conference schedule. I'm not trying to pick on the Razorbacks here, but Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State, and Western Kentucky. All four at home. Now, that might be just what the doctor ordered because, again, we're talking about a program that's coming off four and eight and two and ten. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, what's the benefit of scheduling a bunch of really difficult games that you don't have a chance to line up and win? But uh, that is that is hardly strong in terms of out-of-conference scheduling. And I'm going to say this, too. Their quarterback situation is going to take a big step forward with one or both of those guys. I mean, it can't get any worse than it was last year. I mean, those two no. guys are more Chad Morris-type guys. Uh, and look, check this out. Circle this week for the Razorbacks. They play Portland State, and I really wish Jerry Glanville was still the head coach there because he's, <laughs> he's, he's a personal hero of mine. But um, Yes. you got a little Jerry Glanville in you. But he's not yeah, the man in black, you know. I can I'm, see you leaving tickets for Elvis. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, I read his book, Elvis Don't Like Football, like 16 <laughs> times when I was a kid. So it's probably the book I've read the most in my life. So, nice. <clears throat> um, Sorry, I choked up thinking about that. Yeah, who wouldn't? Um, week two at Ole Miss. Okay, they go to Oxford week two, right out the gate. You beat Portland State, you go, and, and that old Miss Arkansas game was close last year. You go down and you beat the Rebs in Oxford, and that's going to put a lot of heat on Matt Luke. We may see head coach Rich Rodriguez <laughs> or Mike McIntyre sooner rather than later. You come back, you avenge the loss to Colorado State. You beat San Jose State. Mike, you're 4-0 going to the Big D to play Texas A&M, and you, last year you played Texas A&M within a touchdown. That game is one of those games that's always close. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. by week, and you go to Kentucky, who's rebuilding. Could we be looking? Could we, dare we say, we could be looking at 6-0 and Arkansas playing at home against Auburn 
in a fight for Gus Malzahn's job <laughs> on October 19th. Wouldn't that be kind of ironic considering Malzahn's ties to Arkansas? That game's in Fayetteville. Uh, one can only hope. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's more likely <laughs> that they drop a game to one of these other teams. But I will say they do have a quarterback. And that offense, when, when you have a quarterback and you can run it and score points on teams that don't aren't very good on D, you know, you can get up and running and, and, and rock and roll, and you can outscore some folks. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. Arkansas just seems to be – in a perpetual state of we're undermanned on defense mm-hmm. and, and it, there just doesn't seem to be light at the end of that tunnel anytime soon. I believe they they'll have a rebirth under Chad Morris offensively. I do believe they'll get that going. I like Rakeem Boyd as a back, another last chance. You guy, JC, a show that you must watch <laughs> at some point in time. Uh, and as you said, improve quarterback play. They'll get wide receivers. They'll get talented guys on offense. They just got to figure it out on defense. And just like Ole Miss at some point, you know, without getting placed on probation, Ole Miss needs to get, uh, they need to be more salty on defense. Um, it just seems, <clears throat> it seems like those two programs are in a perpetual pattern of having to outscore the other team having to score 35 to 40 points to have a chance of winning games that's a tough way to live life in in big time college football uh but that's that's kind of where it is right now as we stand i tell you a way to improve your life make yourself look your very best and you'll feel your very best and that's where brent skinner a bp skinner clothiers comes into play now i don't know much else about brent skinner you know uh, every time I see the guy, we talk sports. He's a big sports fan. Uh, he's, he's a big fan of college football, basketball, baseball, keeps up with that. I think he's a loving husband. I can't say for sure, but I think he is. I think he's a great father. But here's what I do know about Brent that you really care about. Brent Skinner is the man with the plan to make you look your very best. And I, I say this all the time, and I do not use hyperbole when I say it. Uh, it, it, it's just different as somebody who used to shop at department stores and off the rack and what have you. Uh, it, it's just a difference. And the, the price difference is really not that great. So for what you're paying extra to look that much better and to have clothes that feel that much better, it is worth it. And then he takes, he takes the most difficult part out of the equation for you. You don't have to go see him at a department store. He comes to you. He travels nationwide serving clients all over the country. So to set up an appointment, go to bpskinnerclothiers.com. You can do it on the website or you'll see the phone number on the website to just call directly. And you'll go ahead. You'll call him. He'll come out to your place, have all the best fabrics out there ready to go. And you pick what you want, and next thing you know, it's mailed to your door, and you're all set. That's the magic of bpskinnerclothiers.com. He has made a difference for so many. Go ahead and treat yourself. Get ready to look your very best as the fall is not that far off. bpskinnerclothiers.com. JC, what any other final tidbits or things you're looking for here in the coming days? All, all about the next week. I'm assuming we're going to drop another one of these around Wednesday-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson, Georgia Tech next Thursday in the ACC. I was looking at the ACC week one schedule. You know, uh, we have another neutral site game in Florida that in some years would have been much more talked about. Florida State plays Boise State in, yeah. in Jacksonville uh, to open the year. And um, just kind of looking at the schedule, one thing really stands out to me 
Um, Virginia at Pittsburgh. So you have the team that a lot of folks are picking to win the Coastal, right? And if Virginia wins it, that's seven teams that have won that division seven straight years. That means every team in the division's won it for seven straight years, including Duke, including whoever, okay, <laughs> which will be interesting. Against last year's champion up there in Pitt, um, and I think Pat Narduzzi's done a really good job with that program, giving it some stability and stuff. So, you know, that's one game I'm really looking toward in the ACC. Uh, rather than the two national t- nationally televised snoozers with Georgia Tech, Clemson, and then, you know, uh, Notre Dame playing at Louisville um, on New on uh, Labor Day night. All right, so that's going to do it here for the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He's Mike Morgan. Join us next time, and we'll talk to you soon.